everybody. Welcome back to the Little Green Pasture. I have a devotion I want to share today that really moved me. And it's been stirring in my heart for the last three days. And I really believe God kept it there on purpose so I could share it with you. And I pray that the words that I speak today, maybe it may not speak to some of you. But I pray that the seeds will fall into that soil of the hearts of those that need to hear this. I believe it with all my heart because I prayed about it. I said, Jesus, I won't even do it if you don't want me to. Maybe it's just for me. But after the last couple of days of these three days, even right up until before I did this, I said, Lord, I'll stop it if you don't want me to do it. But I felt the word go, that word of commission. So before I get started, I'm going to pray and I'm going to thank the Lord for his presence and his goodness and his nearness to us. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for another day, Lord, to be here in with in the presence of your Holy Spirit. I pray that Jesus, every word that I speak, Lord, will be like an ointment poured forth into the hearts of those that love you so much, that are always seeking you, that are always hoping for you, that are always looking for you in this dry and thirsty land where no water is. Lord Jesus, I just ask you to be the chief center point and to help me, Lord. I'm so clumsy sometimes and I don't get all the words out right, but I pray for your grace. And that as you were with the mouth of Moses, you too will be with my mouth. And that, Lord, you will let your living waters flow through me and direct me. And I offer up this message to you in Jesus' name. Amen. At the beginning of this last summer, John and I were taking, my husband, we were just taking a drive up the coast and we thought we'd stop in and well, he wanted to stop in to go to the cemetery where his mother is buried. And it is such a gorgeous cemetery. I mean, it's just pristine and perfect and beautiful in every way. I mean, you know how cemeteries are and, and it's built up on this big coastal hill. And when you go up to the top of the hill uh, and you look out, there's 180 degrees. 80 degree view of the Pacific Ocean and that day the skies were so blue and the ocean was this beautiful sparkling sapphire and here were all these bright green rolling hills and and trees of all different kinds and this wonderful coastal soft breeze coming in off the ocean and and I remember standing at the top because his mother is buried somewhere at the bottom, but like we always like to drive up to the top and then get out of the car and look out. So I was looking out and I was just taking it all in. And, and that was months ago. Well, that day I remember just looking at all those headstones and, and the little, you know, markers that they put the little headstones or the flat ones on most people. and. I saw big mausoleums in the back that were worth millions of dollars and, you know, the rich people are buried in them and the little crypts. And then there's a little children's area and all the little infants and babies are, are buried there. 
and I've been there several times and John and I have walked through and I like to read and look at all who was there and lives they lived and some don't say anything about the person and you just get a sadness over your heart. There's so many I noticed where nothing was said, just the name of the person, the day they were born and the day that they died. And that was it. And some that were so old, they were just in some back area. It's all kept very nice, but they were very little, tiny little head place, head headstones. And I noticed that there were some, because I've been there several times through the years of being married to John, that there's always flowers over on these people and flowers over there. There's always fresh flowers everywhere. And then there's some that never see any flowers anywhere never flowers and the where the babies are buried there's always always little toys and little stuffed animals and things and and you just see that this love this this after death and burial this love where people go and they visit those that they love and they spend time it's a place of repose it's a place of remembrance a place of sadness, a place of longing, a place of regret, a place of sorrow for things they wish they would have said when they were alive. But all that is left is to bring a handful of flowers. The last three days I was reading about when Jesus was in the house of Simon the leper in Matthew 26. I read Luke's account. I read Mark's account. And, and it just went like this with this memory. Because for months I have this frozen picture in my mind. And it is a, it's very spiritual because I have memories about being so many places, but there's something charged by the spirit. It is supercharged by the spirit. Every time I see this image in my mind, and it's not even of myself anymore, it's something I keep seeing for months. And it's like always like weekly, maybe not every single day, but like all the time. And I always wonder, Lord, what does it mean? Like, why do I keep seeing myself there? And when I would see myself there, I feel the power of the Holy Spirit. I feel his presence. And then over the last three days, three days ago, I read about Jesus who was anointed with spikenard. And I want to talk about that a little bit in connection. I'm going to bring it all together, okay? So in Matthew, Matthew's account says that Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper. There came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation saying, to what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. When Jesus understood it, he said to them, why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For ye have the poor always with you, but me you have not always. 
for in that she hath poured this ointment on my body. She did it for my burial. Luke's account says that she stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hair of her head, hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Luke's account is the same account as Matthew's. For this Simon the leper is the Simon Pharisee who invited Jesus over to dinner. Now it's interesting because Matthew, Mark, and Luke say a woman came in. Now understand I did some studying about this. Why did they just say a woman? Who was she? Well, many of you know the answer. Well, that was Mary. But four solid scholars contend that Matthew, Mark, and Luke said uh, said a woman came in. And they didn't know it was Mary. But it powerfully suggests that she was disguised. You see, I'm not going to read everything to you because I don't want to be a reader. And I encourage you to do your study on this and see how it correlates. But you see, this woman most likely sounds like, according to Matthew Henry, Gill's Exposition, Pulpit Series, and another one I can't remember at this moment, but it doesn't matter. But it does matter what they all agree with because I trust where their studies come from. That they didn't know who that woman was. That most likely she was disguised. And she came in there. And it says, and she came behind him. Like some people say, well, what is it? It's one or the other. It's both. You see, it's a custom of. Uh, Eastern people to anoint the head, the brow, with oil because it was an arid place. It was medicinal. It brought soothing to dry, chapped skin. And it was very loving and kind. And you did that to your guests that came in. And the spike nard, also, too, what I understand from it comes from India and that it was very expensive to uh, bring it back to Israel and that it was a gift of kings and it wasn't a box either it was a jar made of some kind of marble called alabaster it's translucent it was round like a bulb at the bottom with a very narrow uh, spout and it was cemented at the top and not corked because it was so precious. It was costly to make. It was costly to transport. And the upper class women that were uh, the Roman women, it was their custom to use that spike nard to put in their hair. They used it for their hair. Some on their skin, they love to anoint their bodies with perfume all the time. It was very... Uh, normal for the women back then to always be anointing their own bodies um maybe not the word anoint but to put these oils on their body but this woman she came in and she comes in behind jesus and she breaks it and so that very thin narrow top 
is easier. They made it thin so it's easy to break. And that it was very liquidy. And that it doesn't suggest she poured out the whole thing. But that it, she most likely just let it drip into his hair. Upon his head. And but when she stood behind his feet and was began to weep. See at this point now she's weeping. That's the second stage. So I believe she's just. I know that the Holy Spirit had to be obviously in that. And she begins to wash his feet with her tears. And then she wipes them with the hairs of her head and she kisses his feet and then anoints his feet with ointment. And you're wondering, well, what does it have to do with the people in the cemetery? Or people that we love so much that who knows when they'll be taken from us? What does that mean? Well, it says that she did that when she did that. Mark's account says his disciples, when they saw it, they had indignation. You know, that's a strong word. They were indignant. And they said, to what purpose is this waste? For the ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. They got used to Jesus. This is the end of Jesus' Galilean ministry. He's already tried to tell them he was going to be delivered over. Six days from this uh, event, this, this moment, he was crucified. And this woman, she comes in. And she does this act. But the point, the part that got me is that for she hath poured this ointment on my body. Notice it didn't just say on my head. So that collaborates um, with Luke, the head and the feet. He said she did this for my burial. You know, that really struck me. And all of a sudden, as I was reading this three days ago and i couldn't stop thinking about it for the last three days my mind started to see that scene where i stood at the top of that hill and i looked at all the people buried there and most of them there was no well most of them there was no flowers but there were some that i would always see when we returned that there were flowers many places as i said there was nothing said about them he was a good father loving mother, good son, hard worker, friend to all, will miss her. Maybe a scripture on one. And many didn't say anything. Just the day they were born and the day that they died. So what am I getting at? The Lord started to speak so strongly to my heart. We never know who it is that's going. God is going to take home. And maybe this might not be something you want to hear. I understand. But see, we 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 have words that are very here's how he here's I'm trying really hard. You see these disciples got used to Jesus. 
to the point of indignation, calling what she did a waste. But her tears, she became literally that alabaster jar. It had to be broken in order for it to come out. Notice it said she didn't anoint his feet right away. It says she wept. She was weeping and washing his feet with tears. And she wiped them with the hairs of her head with her own ointment. The ointment of her tears. And then she kissed his feet and then she anointed them. You know, we think, oh, she anointed him, his feet. Then she was washing his feet with tears. No, no, she was washing them with everything that was coming out of her. The ointment of her love. And, you know, this is how I received it from the Lord. While people are alive around you, anoint them. And we don't have to say anoint them to their burial. But why don't we anoint them with words to be spoken where we have time to tell them how much we love them, how we notice that they do such a good job, how much we owe them. How much they do for us in our lives. You know what? When the Lord started to speak that to me, I started to see this gift of time. And this gift of time is the time not to become indignant. And to say, I'm not going to waste my time saying anything to him. I'm not going to say to somebody, I don't know. I mean, that person annoys me all the time. Like, who cares if they annoy you? Who cares? You see, the Simon, Simon the, the Pharisee, he said, who was sitting in the same, who was, that's who it was. Luke's account says that he said within himself, if this man who was a prophet knew who this woman was and that she is a sinner, he would not allow her to touch him. And Jesus, knowing his thoughts, he said, Simon, I have something I want to say to you. And he said, Master, say on. He said, okay. There was a creditor and he had two debtors. One owed 500 pence, another owed 50. And they didn't have and, and the, they didn't have it to give. They didn't have it to pay back to the creditor. So the creditor forgave him. He said, now, which one was more thankful? And Simon said, well, the one that was forgiven for the debt for the most money, he said, you have rightly judged. And he said, Simon, from the time that I came into your house, he said, my feet you did not wash, my head you did not anoint, neither did you give me a kiss. And it says in Luke's account, now he's looking at her. He's well, actually, he was looking at her when he was speaking with disciples. But he says to Simon, because two things happened. But he says to Simon, the time that this this woman came into the house, she has not ceased to kiss me, to 
kiss me and to anoint my head with oil. And to, she hasn't ceased to stop kissing my feet and, she, and to wash my feet with her tears. And he look, turns to the woman and he says, woman, thy sins be forgiven thee. And he said to his disciples, they that love much are forgiven much. And he's told the woman, go in peace. See, when he was talking to his disciples, when they said, what to what purpose, they were indignant, what to what purpose is this waste? It says in Mark's gospel, I believe it's Mark's gospel. You could always check it out. But it said he turned and he looked at the woman while he spoke to the disciples. Because he knew it was Mary. Only he knew it was her. And that's what I understood today. You see, when you speak to people, you're doing it with the, you're pouring out the ointment of the Holy Spirit. It's not just words where you're going to go, okay, okay. Um, oh, by the way, I just want to let you know, I noticed that you always do a good job. You have not been forgiven much. You see, those that have been forgiven much love much. They're not broken yet. You know, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Let whatever people have done to you go to the Lord. Let it go. And let yourself be that open flow. We always say, Lord, use me. Open up a fountain within me. Make me a riverbed of your love. But we have the seal, the cemented seal on our, as these alabaster jars cemented no we're not letting it flow but i say to myself stop looking at the things that are sane and rather the things that are unseen because when you start telling people from a heart of brokenness where you have received the love of jesus christ and forgiveness forgiven people that have received his mercy they do just what that woman does on the lives of everybody they come into contact with because he pours himself into them. And now he's pouring out through them and they are living alabaster fountains. Do you understand? It's important that you understand. When you start telling people things it's coming from the flood of your heart of love you don't have to tell yourself you can't wait to do it in fact when jesus showed this to me i couldn't wait to get started it's like springs of water welled up within me i said to john john i want you to know how much i love you and how proud i am of you thank you for being such a wonderful husband to me i tell my fr friend here and there I just started and everybody's going to get a get this ongoing flow and it's not here or there because the Lord opened up a fountain of that within me. We don't just say these things to anoint them to their burial. We anoint them into to this anoint them with the love of Jesus Christ. Anoint them. Let the life of Jesus Christ Flow out to anoint, let the Holy Spirit anoint them with the oil of joy for with 
with gladness. Let them be anointed with the spikenard of his love and the spikenard and, and the oil of good words said to these people, to everybody, because there is purpose and it will never go to waste. And you know what? We never know who will be taken from us. And you want to know that you didn't, you were stopped by Jesus today to say, appreciate those that are near you. Appreciate those that live next to you. Appreciate them, even if they don't, and you're not doing it anyway, so that they say something back to you. Otherwise, his life isn't flowing out of you. You want to know that if someone that you love was taken from you, you will be sad, but you know you'll see them again. But you will be glad in your heart and you'll say, I told them, at least I told them how much I love them all the time and how happy I am that God gifted me with their friendship. How smart I think they are, that person was. How lovely that person, how strong and how commendable you are to the faith, to the throne of Jesus Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're anointing them with the life and power of Jesus Christ, of the life of God. Before I go, I want to read these words, which were so interesting because three days later, I came across a little devotion and I go, I can't believe it. And I'm going to leave this with you, okay? It's from J.R. Miller from back in the 1800s. He said, do not keep the alabaster boxes of your affection sealed and laid away until your friends are dead. Fill their days with tenderness. Speak your words of commendation while their ears can hear them. The things you mean to say when they are gone, say before they go. The flowers you mean to send for their coffins, send beforehand to brighten and sweeten their homes before they go out of them. I have often said, I know I speak for thousands of other weary, plodding toilers, and that if my friends have vases laid away, filled with the perfumes of sympathy and affection, which they intend to break over my dead body, I would rather... I would far rather they would bring them out along my toilsome days and open them when I can enjoy them and be refreshed for them, refreshed by them. Flowers piled on the coffin cast no fragrance backward over weary days. Praise the Lord. Let them know now and the lord be with you